0: Every year brings change. And change is good. It helps us release the old and walk into something new. And God has something new for the church, for you, for our culture, and for your priorities. Revelation 21:5 says, "Behold, I am making all things new." 2 Corinthians 5:17 the old is gone and the new is here. The series called New is all about how God is making us new and how we can help to make people and places new all around us.
1: church how are you guys doing this morning good it's good to be worshiping with you this morning and if I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet my name is Aaron and I am the lead pastor here at new community church and we're glad that you're with us this morning
2: I am Angela Escamilla and I am a student at Hillsong College I am majoring in the pastoral stream because I'm going to be a pastor kind of like my padre over here I'm this Aaron's daughter not this Aaron just to clarify
0: and my name is Aaron Castellanos. I'm the student pastor here at NCC, and I'm Aaron's son. As you no, guys know. he is That's not. Why my name
1: is Aaron. You guys, I am not that old, okay? We've been <laughs> joking all week, and I'm like, we're basically the same age, Aaron, no, we're not. but we're not. Don't lie in <laughs> So we have been talking the past few weeks about new, how God wants to make each and every one of us new. And the work that he wants to do in our life. So we started there week one. God wants to change you and he has a purpose and a calling for your life. And then last week we talked about a new church. What God's doing inside of us. That you are the church. You're God's dream and his plan for the world. And so that challenge to go and make disciples. And today we're talking about a new culture. And how God uses us to impact the world around us. And although we are a different church, different age groups in this church, God wants to use us to make an impact on those around us. And so I wanted to start today by taking you guys on a little trip. Okay, back to my high school years, okay? So we're going to go back to the early 90s. Some of you guys, I know you weren't even born yet, okay, but just go with me here. Some of you may remember this, okay? In high school, um, I had quite a few friends, and this is what they dressed like. We got some pictures up here of some 90s grunge, anyone? Okay, the flannel shirts, baggy pants, Um, I think some ripped jeans, Van sneakers. Now, I wasn't on that side as much as I was on the hip-hop side, okay? So I had the baggy pants, overalls, one side unclipped, bright colors. Some of you guys may remember this, okay? My mom and I would always argue because she'd say, Mijo, your pants are too big. They're falling off. And I'd be like, no, this is the style, Mom. So some of you guys remember that maybe back in high school, okay? Okay. the fad at that time, fanny packs. Did anyone have a fanny pack? Okay. We thought we were so cool. I know they've come back, okay. Um, that little fanny pack that you'd keep on your waist there, summer vacation. So I remember those in high school. I think I had one of those. Um, Come home after school and work, and I remember turning on Seinfeld. Okay, That was my show back in the 90s. I still watch reruns. I love that, that comedy. Jerry and his neighbor Kramer could always make me laugh, so I remember watching that. Whenever I'd go to hang out with my friends... I turn on the radio, and this was playing back in 1992. Some of you guys remember this? Ain't nothing but a G thing, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Now, let me tell you, do not Google this song. I was not a Christian back then, okay? That's why you're only going to hear the first 15 seconds, because it gets bad after that, you guys. But that was the number that was up in the top hits back in 1992, whenever I was in high school. That's a little bit of what I remember being in high school.
0: And high school for me was a little bit different. I've changed quite a bit. So my fashion style was oversized polo shirts, like the guy on the right there. (laughs) And those jeans you see there are starch to the core. I mean, we used to dip our jeans in the bathtub with Stayflo, let them sit, and then iron them. And when I would take them off, they were still standing. That's how starch (laughs) they were, no lie. Uh, Debbie remembers that's how she met me right there. And then uh, I remember growing up and really being into wrestling. WWF back in the, the 90s, the 2000s was it. I mean, we would sneak into our friends' apartments who could pay for pay-per-view to watch WrestleMania. And uh, my brother and I just loved it, man. We had you know stuffed dolls. We had like a, uh, I think back then, like X-Generation or Generation X was a big thing. So we had the jersey and stuff. And then when we would turn on the radio, this song was on the radio probably. Cash Money Millionaires for the 99 and the 2000, right? And so this song is called Bling Bling. Again, I don't promote it. I don't condone it. Don't go Google it. That was before my heart changed, right? Now I'm coming around the corner representing something else. So,
2: As you can tell, my high school years were much longer ago than theirs. 2017, before COVID, if you guys remember that time, so long ago. See, we still kind of dress like this. It's like we'd like ripped shorts, ripped jeans are always cute. A T-shirt, I have that exact same shirt. I swear I still own it. And you drop a flannel around your waist, and it was cute. I dressed to NYC like this all the time, back in Caleb's time, like, that's how it was. <laughs> That's how it was. And I loved it. It was cute. Then, fad wise, fidget spinners. You guys
1: everybody remember those? Everybody had a
2: fidget spinner. Gabriel still has a fidget spinner. But I liked messing with the middle. Am I the only one that does that? I like playing with the middle. Like, I get a little head nod over here, so I'm taking that. But other people would see how long they could go. They'd just sit there and let them go. And teachers would try to take them up and, like, get everybody on it. But nobody really cared. Then I'd come home, and people can tease me for this, but I loved Riverdale. Everybody was into Riverdale. They still kind of are, but it's a good show for a little bit of older people. It's Archie Comics. It can be a little creepy, so be careful. It might scare my dad over here. He's a little <laughs> frightened by that, but I loved Riverdale. Then my freshman year, this was the song that we listened to on Bluetooth, because that exists now. <laughs> Not the radio, but on Bluetooth and pep rallies our high steppers did this song <laughs> friday nights at football games this is what we jammed to it's a little bit more like of the times now but yeah yeah of the
1: times <laughs> of the times so as we're as we're talking today and as you guys look back your high school years maybe a little bit further back okay for some of you maybe high school hasn't even come yet but We're looking at how God has called us to impact the culture around us. And this is what I want us to think about as we think about what God wants to speak to us today. It's this idea here of in our church, and if you're in this room looking around this room, we have a lot of different um, seasons of life. Let me say that kindly. Um, Some of your high school years may have been a long time ago. And for others, it may be a little bit closer um, to where you're at right now. But God has blessed our church with a lot of generational diversity. And as I think about that, that is a tremendous blessing to our church. Because although when we think of others in our church, there's different seasons of life, different ages, we are still different generations but with the same heart the same desire for God, the same passion to change the world around us. And that is truly a gift. And God has blessed our church with that. And there's something about opening up our heart to each other, learning from one another, growing with each other that aren't just in the same age group that we are um, from the same decade that we are, but learning from one another and growing with each other. And so I want you, as we walk through this message today, to really think about that, that we are a church of different generations, but with the same heart. That's what God has called us to be.
2: Yes, and I feel like personally for my generation, we have a tendency to, whenever our elders or our parents, our grandparents, our youth leaders try to speak into our lives and try to relate to us. We naturally go, no, you don't get it. You don't understand. You're not dealing with the same stuff because we have technology now. You don't know what it's like to have social media whenever you're in high school. You don't know what it's like to be dealing with anxiety or peer pressure. Like, It's different times now. It's different. You can't relate to us. So we start Building a wall, and every time we tell that to our parents or our leaders, it's like we're laying a brick down. And we're just building it up in our hearts and pushing them away and pushing them out of our lives like God doesn't didn't mean for them to be there. Like, we should deem who we listen to because their wisdom isn't actually wisdom because we know better. But in 1 Peter 5.5, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders... Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I feel like we need to remember that we're called to be humble, that we don't know everything. And that our parents and our grandparents and our leaders, whether it's our pastors or just people that volunteer in our lives, we're called to listen to them and to accept their wisdom. And we need their guidance. If God has put them in your life, then you need their guidance, and you need their community. Because older people, adults can be fun. Like, they can be fun. Come on. Dad (laughs) jokes. My dad is one of the funniest people in my life. Like, they aren't just... Are you calling me old? I mean, you're in your 40s, but... (laughs) (laughs) They can be funny and they can be fun to have conversations with. (laughs) I'm like, our leaders are priceless. And there's so much fun to even just hang out with. Where I don't always have a wise conversation with Brenda every time I'm talking to her. Like, we joke around. I tease Andrew and say that his name is spelled with an I. They're still people that are meant to be in your lives and that you're meant to live in community with. And... If we continue to have that wall up and we never break it down, then we're never going to get anywhere. And I always had it up, and that's why I wasn't close to my mom for so long because I had this wall up of she doesn't understand what I'm going through. But little by little, she started telling me stories about her high school years. She started sharing her past with me, and I realized, oh, she knows what it's like to feel like you're stabbed in the back by a best friend. She knows what it's like to go through bad relationships she knows what it's like to feel like your parents aren't there or don't understand you. That yes, there were different circumstances, but the feeling is still similar. And her experiences are for me to listen to, to learn from, and to gain wisdom. And it takes a long time to grow if you're just trying to grow by yourself and blocking that off. And as I opened up to her, I started opening up with my youth leaders, with Brie and Brenda, and Debbie and just so many people that have given me such wisdom and have poured into my life so much. But if I would have kept a barrier up between us, I would not be where I am today. And I would not have some of the knowledge that I have. I would not have gotten through cer- certain circumstances in my life because I would be so set on. Nobody understands me. Nobody gets what I'm going through. Like, But as I broke that down, then I opened up to my nana as well. And she is one of the most passionate women for Christ that I know. And watching her ministry is amazing and beautiful. And I've grown so much from people that are a little bit older than me, whether it's by five years or 10 years or 30 or 40 years, because their wisdom is amazing. And their experiences matter. And it may be different, but God has put them in my life for a reason. And I've learned to live with that and understand that. And we're called new community church, the emphasis on the community of the church. So we're not just called to be in community with the people that are in our generation or around our age, but we're called to be in community with those that are younger than us and older than us. Because if we're always just hanging out with the people that are our age, we're never going to understand any other lifestyle. Whenever you grow up, you're not going to be able to lead other people because you're so set in your mindset and in your line. But... As being in college or in high school, there's people that are younger than us that we're meant to pour into, and there's people that are older than us that we're meant to learn from and grow with, and that's really important in our lives.
0: That's good. Um, So I'm in a unique place because I'm not as old as Aaron, and uh, I just want to make that clear. We're not the same age. I'm joking. Uh, and I'm not as young as Angela, so I'm kind That's of true. right in the middle there, right, in my 30s. And if I could talk to both generations, to the younger generation, Angela hinted at it, and it was to walk with humility. Um, I think humility is one of those things that I'm learning to appreciate the older I get, that I don't know everything. And uh, that one of our greatest assets for kingdom work is that generation that has gone before us, right, that older generation I appreciate and I uh, value my times with my dad now more than I ever have. And it's not me going there with the specific question to ask him. It's just spending time with him. And as he's talking, I'm getting these wisdom nuggets of just experience and his in- intimacy with the Lord. Now, to the older generation, my, my challenge, my uh, word of encouragement to you would be uh, to study this generation. Study this younger generation. Sometimes we feel like, hey, my time is done. I'm checking out. It's their time to take over. But what we don't realize is this generation right now, Generation Z and the one that's coming up behind us or behind them, has the power to impact this nation like never before. They're such a special and unique generation. And when I started doing youth ministry at a younger age and I was 19 or 20 to youth ministry now, it's completely different. Completely different. Um, They have access to so many different things because of social media. And so as part of the older generation, one of the things that I'm seeing is that this younger generation needs a solid voice because they've got so many voices talking to them. And so this is my encouragement and my challenge to you is get involved, invest in the next generation. I'm the kind of student pastor who wants a multi-generational leadership team. I don't want just people in their twenties or people that are in their thirties. I want people that are older than that as well, because of that solid voice that you bring, as that generation that has gone before, uh, before us. And so, uh, if you're taking notes, because note takers are what guys, <laughs> write this down. The packaging may look different, but this is still a chosen generation. Don't get frustrated with this generation and thinking, look at their hairstyle, the way they dress, their music. Come on, you're, you're bitter a lot of times when you go to the store just watching how some of these kids dress, right? <laughs> it looks different, but this is still a chosen generation. And I see in Romans 12:5, and maybe you've read this before, where it talks about how we're all a part of Christ's body and how we're many parts of one body, but we all belong to each other. And as I'm reading that, it's significant that we notice how it mentions different parts of the body and each one of their functions. Don't allow the fact that different parts look different to distract you from the purpose for which God has called us to as one body. And that's to move and advance God's kingdom together. And so my question and my challenge is this, is can we put our preferences aside so that we can put our focus on purpose? Can we put the way that we grew up aside for just a second and say, you know what, they look different, they act different, but I want to know this generation and ask the Lord with a heart of humility, God, how do you want me to team up with them? How do we team up together so that we advance the kingdom of God in the way that you're doing it now?
1: Yeah, and I believe that. We need each other, church. So although we're different generations, we have that same heart, that same passion for Christ. We need one another. And I believe this. Whenever we open up our hearts, and just what you guys have talked about, whenever we come with humility into conversations with each other, we learn and grow. And that growth and that development, it helps us to impact others. And I want to tell you this. Change is needed no matter how old or young you think you are. Change is needed no matter how old or young you think you are. And we live in a world that desperately needs the church. And they need the church to speak not only to their generation, but to the generation coming before and after them to be that solid voice that you're talking about, Aaron, because there are so many needs and broken lives around us. And God has called us to make that change in the impact to the needs we see in the
2: world around us there's so many things that we need to change yeah. because there's so many things that we ch- that we're challenged with and that we're facing that isn't meant to be in our lives yeah, right. and I found that this generation is one that we started accepting whatever the world is giving us we started accepting anxiety and worry as normal yeah. something that's just everybody faces it a few months ago Me and two of my younger brothers, Gabriel and Jaron, we were sitting out on the patio. And we were just talking and we were having a serious conversation about anxiety, which is something Gabriel and I have both faced. And Jaron started asking us questions. And our natural instinct was, oh, you'll understand. Like, give it a few years, maybe even a few months, and you'll understand what we're talking about. Because everybody just deals with it. It's become so normal. And we accept it. We don't fight against it, but instead we accept it as something that everybody's going to deal with and everybody's going to struggle with. And we stay stagnant where we're at. And we're like, it is what it is. Like, we say that all the time. It is what it is. Like, whatever the world is giving me, like, I guess this is just what God wanted for my life. Like, I'll just chill here. If I don't have a job, I'll just chill here. I'm not going to fight for what I want out of this world And we've started accepting all of it. And we're too scared to fight for more. Because what if we don't deserve it? Or what if we don't get it? What if we fail? We're living in this fear. And I was talking to my dad a little bit ago. And we were talking about how Jesus is a non-anxious presence. Just living life with him as you live life with him, it's like your anxiety slowly goes away. And he challenges you with that. And it leaves and instead of living in fear, we live in love and we live in peace. Yeah. And that's how we're meant to live. And I was playing a game with my friends last night. We were playing Would You Rather. And one of the questions was, would you rather feel, not feel pain or not feel fear? And my mind automatically went, not feel fear. How would it be to not be afraid? And instead of sitting here and just being content in whatever I'm living in, instead be ambitious And I feel like that's something that we need to find a balance of is being ambitious and having a passion for what God has put in your lives and in your hearts, but being content in what he has for you. Because we can't just sit around and say, oh, well, I'm called to be content. So I'm just, I'm okay with whatever God gives me. I'm okay that all of my relationships are failing and I'm settling for people that aren't what God wants for me in my life. I'm okay that I don't have a job and I'm not really fighting for my future, but I'm just chilling and I'm good. It's because I'm content. No, God has also called you to be ambitious and passionate. And that's something that we need to recognize and have a fire for in our hearts. And I feel like that's just something that's really important that we're not called to accept everything that the world gives us. We're not called to accept the worry and the anxiety, but we're called to fight out against that and face that challenge and move past it.
0: That's so good. That's so good. Y'all give it up for Angela on that. Speaking <laughs> wisdom, right? Hope you brought your sauce, cause she's dropping some nuggets. <laughs> Dad joke.
2: Chicken All nuggets.
0: All right. Uh, one of the things that I believe that is uh, a challenge for uh, this current generation, and I was thinking about this uh, earlier today. Uh, This Wednesday, we were talking to Bree, one of our leaders, and and we mentioned something that's happening right now, you know, on the news. And she's like, how did I miss that? And I'm like, because there's a million things going on right now in our country. It literally feels like there's always something new going on, right? And so when this this challenge or this question was brought up, I thought, like, what is one of the biggest challenges? And I think I would summarize it under one word, and It's idolatry. It's idolatry. In order for us to gain perspective, let me define what idolatry is. Idolatry is the worship of idols. is extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. And idolatry is anything we put in the place of God. We expect that thing or that someone to determine how we live. We depend on this thing or person for joy, for peace, or purpose in our day. And we love this thing or this person more than God. And as you read the Bible, we see how God's people constantly fell back into idolatry. God, you're not moving like I want. You're not moving at my timing. So therefore, I'm going to construct my own idol, my own version of God and depend on that. And so in Exodus 24 through 5, it says, uh, you shall not, this is God speaking to the Israelites. He says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For the Lord your God, I am a jealous God. Now picture this. Typically when we think of idolatry, this is what we picture right here, is a golden calf. And some of you are like, well, I'm good. I don't have a golden calf in my backyard that I'm worshiping, right, or in my house, so I'm good. But idolatry hasn't crept into our lives in the form of a golden calf or a statue dedicated to a king these days. What we're seeing is we've idolized politicians, we've idolized agendas, and to a certain extent, we've even idolized our country. As we look at it as this is going to satisfy me, when things get to this point, when things start happening the way that I want them, then I'll finally be happy and I'll finally have peace. Dwight L. Moody said this, he said, you don't have to go to heathen lands today to find false gods. America is full of them. Whatever you love more than God is your idol. Now, I want to be very clear, I love our country, and I'm so blessed to be here. I believe that we're very unique and a very special country, and I believe that God has blessed our country. However, what we're seeing is a lot of the conversations that are happening right now are full of stress and anxiety and worry because of what we're depending on. What we've put in the place of God. This week I was having a conversation with a customer and the conversation just went on and what stood out to me is she said, I was watching the news until I couldn't take it anymore. And then I turned it off and I couldn't sleep. And this is a believer. She says, I'm so worried and just anxious and stressed right now. And to be honest, I'm not standing up here saying that the things that are happening in our country right now are not affecting me. When I started seeing images and and just videos of people storming the Capitol, it put a damper on my day. But I felt the Lord tell me, you choose to stay there or you choose to go back to me as your source of joy or peace. We have to run back to God and ask ourselves, what is an idol in my life right now? See, the main issue with an idol is that we're running to it, expecting for it to do what only the living God can do. The result is frustration, the result is stress, the result is anxiety, the result is worry, anger, and the list goes on. Does that sound familiar to the current state of our country a lot of times? There's a lot of worry and anxiety because, again, God is no longer at the center. Paul puts it like this in Romans 1.25. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and they served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. When we read earlier that God is a jealous God, God is not a jealous God in an insecure kind of way. God is a jealous God in a way that says, I created you to be fully satisfied in me. If you're lacking peace, you're going to find it in me. If you're lacking joy, it's found in me. If you're lacking healing in some area of your life, it's found in me. If you're lacking purpose, run back to me. Let me be at the center of it
1: all. Yeah, and I believe the world around us, they need a unified church. They need this picture of us coming together and learning from one another and growing together with the experiences that we have and what God's done in our life to continue to impact and change the world around us. You have a voice. God caused you to be born in the season that he caused you to be born in, in the time that you were born, in the experiences that you've had, because he wants your voice to be heard and to impact and bring change to the world around us that has so many of these needs that we've talked about. And so I just wanted us to close this morning by Aaron and Angela, maybe you sharing a challenge or a dream that you have for your generation, what you think is a good thing for us to walk away today and say, God, help us to be that kind of church.
0: Absolutely. Um, if there's one thing I could leave my generation with or or just us in general is understanding what true repentance means. Repentance can sometimes carry a negative connotation, and this is kind of what we picture when we hear the word repent. Our people with picket signs and they're basically just yelling in anger out on the streets, right? We see this right here. But repentance is one of the most beautiful and most beneficial things God has created for our Christian walk. We've heard it said that repentance is turning in the opposite direction of sin. But the full biblical definition of repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of action. I don't just confess something with my mouth, but I have a change of mind that changes how I live now and how I act. In other words, my actions speak louder than my words. And there's a verse that we we hear people quote very often, right, when it comes to repentance. And it's 2 Chronicles 7.14. And it says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will hear their land. We shout when we hear this verse and what I'm realizing that a lot of times when people quote this verse, it deflects personal responsibility and it poses it or puts it on the country as a whole. If the country repents, if the country humbles themselves, if the country turns away from their wicked ways. But notice what it says there. It says, if my people who are called by my name. Who are God's people who are called by his name? According to the Bible, because of Jesus, we've been grafted into the family of God. You and I are his people. And so if my people are called by his name, if we are his people, then the remaining parts of this verse apply to us. If I humble myself personally, and if I pray and I see God's face, and if I turn from my wicked ways, repentance, then God will hear from heaven, and he will forgive my sins, and he will heal this land. If my people, it's you and I, and if you and I are God's people, then true repentance starts with me personally. The question is now, what do I need to repent of? What is the sin in my life that I have not confessed But I ask God to change my mind about it so that my actions change. We need to come back to a true definition of repentance and take it personal as opposed to putting it on the country as a whole. It starts with me.
2: I'd say if I had a dream or a challenge for this generation, it would be that we don't settle. That we don't just accept what the world has given us, but that we do have a passion And find a fire in each of us for exactly what God is calling us to do. And I feel like a lot of times we are told very negative things and we're put down. And so we accept them and we just sit still. But I feel like we forget that God has made us beautiful. And God has made you beautiful exactly as you are. And... In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we hear that a lot, and we kind of make it simple, but he died for us while we were still broken. And if he deems us worth that, that is being worth so much. That means you aren't worthless. You aren't nothing. But you have such a purpose over your life. And you have such a calling over your life. And God is gonna do so much with you no matter what you are. And like I was saying earlier, I just would love to see an ambition in every single one of us. The balance of being content and being ambitious and on fire for God. Being content with what he gives you, but always longing for more of him. Always wanting more. I would just love to see That love inside of us, which is the strongest love that we can ever experience.
1: Yeah. So, church, I want to challenge you with that, that as we come together, as we are a community of believers, a community of faith, that we learn from each other. And although we are different generations, that we have that same heart. And so I want to encourage you in that. If you're older in this room, we need your voice. Don't stop sharing Don't stop sharing what God has done in your life or the experiences that you've walked through. If your kids are out of the house, we need your voice. If your kids are in high school or middle school, if you don't have kids, whatever season of life you're in, we need your voice. Young people, students and kids, we need your voice. We need to know what God is doing in your life. We need that zeal and that passion that you carry. We need that in our life. And so we need each other. Although we're different generations, we have that same heart. God has given us to each other to help each other grow and also to impact and to change the culture and the world around us.
0: Amen. And I just want to pray with you guys. If we can go ahead and just bow our heads and close our eyes. and we always love to give the opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus. And uh, if today you're sitting in this place and and you know beyond any doubt that you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, I want to explain just a few things uh, to you. The Bible talks about that God is a holy God without blemish, without sin. He's perfect. And because you and I are sinful uh, beings, that we make mistakes. We, We know very well that we have sin in our lives. We see it creep up all the time in our lives, right? That sin separated us from a holy God. But because God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, he took the punishment upon himself that we deserved. What we deserved was that punishment. What we deserved was eternal separation from a holy God. And the beauty of this story, the gospel, the good news Is the Bible says that if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, the key emphasis is in that word Lord there. When I make him my Lord, I no longer call the shots. When I make him my Lord, he's in control. We like Jesus, the version of Jesus as a good friend, but we struggle with the fact of making him Lord in our lives. When we make him our Lord and we surrender and we say, I want you to be in control. I want you to show me how to be a good man. I want you to show me how to be a good father. Not only that, but God, I want you to save me from my sins. Then that's how salvation comes into our lives. And so if this morning that's you and you're saying, you know what, I know I haven't made that decision. Or maybe you want to recommit your life to Jesus. I just want you to just lift your hand right there where you're at. If you're joining us online, you can go ahead and comment right there in the comment section and just say, you know what, I need to rededicate, recommit my life to the Lord or start a relationship with him today. If that's you, just raise your hand and you can just put it down. Amen, amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Let me pray with you guys. If everyone can just join in in this prayer together, joining those who are making that decision. Say, "Jesus, Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I I ask that you cleanse me and that you purify me. me. I believe that you died on the cross for me. me. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. I I make you my Lord today. today. Help me to live for you. you. In In your name I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate with those who are making that decision today?
2: Now, we're going to pray one last time, and I'm going to lead us out, but one great thing about our God is that he hears all of our voices, and so I challenge you just to, everybody, I want you to pray with me. Pray out loud. Let Him hear your voice, okay? Jesus, thank you so much for allowing us to come together today to experience your presence in community with each other, God. I pray that as we go out from this place that we are not the same, but that we are different and we are challenged, that you will move in our lives this week, this month, and this year, that it will be different and we will be different, that we will be growing and seeking after you every day and every moment of our lives, God. Thank you for your love and your forgiveness. Thank you for your character and your presence with us. Thank you for each other. God, I pray that we'll continue to grow together, Lord, grow in a community, and never take each other for granted. And in your powerful and mighty and beautiful name, Abba, everybody said amen.